We are in our study called uh, Digging Deeper, and uh, it's part six. It's the last Sunday that I'll be dealing with this. And so uh, hopefully you've been here for all six sermons, Digging Deeper, Growing in the Lord is what we've been uh, looking at for the last six Sundays. Of course, we've had a couple guest speakers and a couple special services in between, but uh, the times I've got to minister on Sunday morning, we've dealt with Digging Deeper. And this is part six in our last sermon in the sermon series, Digging Deeper. This was on my heart. I, uh, I just don't pick sermon series just to pick sermon series. I hope you know that. I'm not just picking a sermon just to pick it to preach, but this is what I felt like the impression of the Holy Spirit was leading me to do for quite some time. And so I ask you to open up your heart and your ears, your spiritual ears, and hear uh, the last sermon this morning on Digging Deeper. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to uh, minister your word today. We pray, Lord, that as we endeavor to look at your word, that you would open it up to us. Um, give us clarity, we pray, of understanding. We pray that your word would go forth in power and in boldness. And everyone shouted a great big amen. Many, many years ago, there was a man by the name of J.M. Barry. J.M. Barry is probably not a person that you've heard of. But many, many, many moons ago, he wrote a play called Peter Pan. Peter Pan. And uh, Walt Disney adopted J.M. Barry's uh, written script of uh, Peter Pan, and they made it into a box office smash success. Peter Pan. I mean, Peter Pan. It's a children's movie that we've all seen before. We've all watched it with our children. You've watched it growing up. And um, it's been a part of the American tradition to watch Peter Pan. One of the things about that story is so fascinating is that uh, Peter Pan never wanted to grow up. He was a man who really never wanted to grow up. Even in one of his, one of his uh, scenes, he said, I don't want to grow up. And when I thought about this movie and this concept of Peter Pan not wanting to grow up, I... Um, you know, in Peter Pan, if you, if you watched any of it, he lived in a fantasy world where uh, he never wanted to grow up. It was never Neverland. He just never, he lived in this fantasy world where he thought he could be a child all the time. And I'm convinced that there are some Christians in Christianity that they live in a fantasy world where they think they don't need to grow up. That it's okay for them to come to church and sing a few songs and give it an offering and and there is no accountability for your actions. There's no accountability for the way that you live. There's no accountability for the way you treat people. There's no accountability for your spiritual life and development. We want to live in a fantasy land. We don't want to be held to a standard. And we don't want to be held to correction. And what I have found in the Word of God, that correction is for your direction. It's not rejection. And sometimes we look at the correction of the Word of God as rejection, but it's actually direction. And so I hope that you understand that you're not called to live in a fantasy land where you can just live your life the way you want to live it, and there's no standards and no accountability, and there is no uh, expectation of you as a Christian. Uh, uh, and there is an expectation according to the Word of God. And as a pastor, my responsibility, according to Ephesians chapter 4, is to preach the word that you would receive the word, that you would be mature, that you would grow up in the statue of the fullness of Christ. That is my responsibility. 
my responsibility as a man of God and as a pastor of this house is to push, push you and propel you to spiritual growth. And if you believe that, would you shout an amen? That is my responsibility, is to push you and propel you to spiritual growth. So are you growing this morning spiritually? And I want to say something this morning. If you are saved and you are born again and you've trusted Jesus as your Savior and you've repented of your sin, then according to Scripture, the life of God is already inside of you. The life of God is already inside of you if you've trusted Jesus as your Savior. If you love Jesus and you've repented of your sin, then you have the life of God already inside of you. It's already inside of you. If you've trusted Jesus as Savior, then you already have life inside of you. So the question today is not getting more life. The question today is, are you still growing? You already have life. You're not going to get any more life. You already have the life of God. It's not about getting more life. It's about getting more growth. Somebody shout that with me. It's not about more life. It's about growth. That's what it's about. It's, it's an old word we used to use in church. I don't know if we use it anymore. It's called sanctification. It's the process of growing in the Lord. The moment you become a Christian, then you are converted. You are justified. The moment you accept Jesus as Savior and Lord, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. He imparts the life of God inside of you. And when you repent of your sin, your sin is forgiven. You are pardoned of your sin. It don't matter what you've done, what you've said, where you went. If you put your faith in Christ alone and repented of your sin, it don't even matter if you feel like you're saved. But if you put your faith in Christ alone, the moment you do that, he pardons you from your sin and your iniquity. Somebody say praise the Lord. That's what we call justification. Because the moment you put your faith in Christ, it is just as if you've never sinned. But after justification, there is sanctification, and that is growing in the Lord. You don't need more life. You need more growth. You already got the life of God inside of you. You already have the Holy Spirit inside of you. You have to grow in the life that's already given you. So you are justified, then you grow in sanctification, and then at the time of death or the rapture or the coming of the Lord, you are glorified, you receive a new body, and you'll never, never, never have to deal with the body of sin any longer. Your growth is complete. But until glorification, we've got to understand something. We've got to grow in God's grace. You see, what is spiritual growth? Have you ever thought about what is spiritual growth? Spiritual growth is more of Christ, it's more of Christ expressed in my life through less of me. That is what I mean by spiritual growth. Now I want us to say that all together as loud as you can say it, because this is what I mean by spiritual growth. All of us together, spiritual growth, okay, that is what spiritual growth is, less of you and more of Christ. You remember Jesus prayed in the garden and his pronoun that he used was thy will, thy will, thy will be done. But you know, when Lucifer fell from heaven, he said, I will, I will, I will exalt myself to the throne of God. You see, when you have an experience with Christ, you should have a desire to operate in less of you and more of him. 
So spiritual growth is more of Christ being expressed through your life. It's, the, it's you being more like Jesus being expressed in your life through less of me. So the question is, is how much of you are you hanging on to? When was the last time you did an eye exam? How many eyes do you have in your life? You remember the story of the prodigal son? The prodigal son took his inheritance from his father. He went to his father, according to Luke chapter 15, took his inheritance from his father. And do you understand what the significance of the story is? The son went to the father and he said these words, give me my inheritance. And what did the father do? He handed the inheritance to him and the scripture records that the son went and spent all of his inheritance on riotous living. And then the Bible says the son came to himself in the pig pen and what did the son say? The son said, I'm going to go back to my father and when he went back to the father, he said, not this, give me, but he said, make me a servant. So you see a contrast. At the beginning of the son's life, or at the beginning of the story, he said, give me. And at the end of the story, he said, make me. That is what we call spiritual growth. You go from point A to point B, where it's not about give me, give me, but it's about make me into the person that I am called to be. It's not about the church given to me, give to me, give to me, as if church is a grocery store and we come to church with a shopping cart to see what we can get. But spiritual growth is realizing that I am called to be a part of a community where I contribute to the health of the community. It's not give me, but it is make me. That spiritual son had a spiritual growth. He had a transformation that happened in his life. And I'm asking you this morning, how much of Christ do you have in your life? Is it being expressed in your life? What about your marriage? Is your marriage God-honoring? If somebody would look at your marriage, is that the marriage they want to have? Do, do you pray with your spouse? Are you communicating with one another? Is there this growth in Christ together? Are you praying for your children? Do you have a time of family devotions? Are you, what about your own personal life? Are you tithing? Are you tipping God or are you really putting God first in your finances? Because you acknowledge that if God don't come first, then nothing else is going to matter. It, 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 if he is not the hub, then the spokes is going to fall apart. You've got to put him number one in every department of your life. What about your sphere of influence where you work? How do you treat your coworkers? Are you expressing the love of God to them? How do you treat those when you go out in public? Do they see Jesus being expressed in you? And the list can go on and on, but the issue is, is how much of Jesus is being expressed in your life? You know, it's really interesting that George Barna, which is a Christian statistician who has given his life to studying churches and the culture in which Christians live in, he said this in his book. He said that, uh, number one, he said what he has found among Christians is that many professing Christians cannot identify more or cannot identify two or three of the disciples. He said most Christians don't, can't even identify two or three of the 12 disciples. He said 60% of Americans can't even name five of the Ten Commandments. Five of the Ten Commandments, 60% of Americans can't even name them. 82% of Americans believe 
that, quote, God helps those who help themselves is a Bible verse. And that is not a Bible verse, ladies and gentlemen. That is not a Bible verse. It's a good, it's a good statement, but it's not a Bible verse. But 82% of Americans believe that. 12% of Christians believe that Joan of Arc was actually Noah's wife. And do you know that George Barnard did a study in graduating high school seniors? Get this. Graduating high school seniors revealed when they, when they surveyed high school seniors in America, when they surveyed them, it revealed that 50% of high school students thought that Sodom and Gomorrah was husband and wife. Now that may be funny to you, and it is quite funny, but there is a serious problem in America. There is a serious problem not only in America, but there is a serious problem even in the church. We have a problem, ladies and gentlemen. There is a serious problem in America. Why is it that 92% of Americans own a Bible? 92% of Americans own a Bible, but yet there appears to be a lack of basic Bible knowledge and spiritual growth. What is happening to our country? What is happening to our churches? George Barna said this. He said, I believe that the problem with the American church and the problem that's going on in our churches today and even our society, the reason that there is a lack of spiritual growth and there's a lack of spiritual knowledge. Now, granted, just because you have knowledge doesn't mean you're growing in the Lord. But those who are growing in the Lord have a faithful intake of the Word of God. Do you hear me? So why is there such a, why is there such a lack appears in our society and even in our churches? Do you know that according to George Barna, 42% of American population attends church on Sunday? 42%, that's almost half of the American population. Now I'm not saying they're all saved, but there is a religious culture in America and it's slowly, slowly, degrading away. We're becoming almost a non-Christian society because we have a responsibility. We cannot afford, we cannot afford to miss our opportunity instilling the Word of God into the next generation. Listen, the school is not going to instill into your children the Word of God. Society is not going to instill the Word of God into your children. And listen, the church house only gets you about four hours a week. So you're telling me that you're depending on the church four hours a week to instill the Word of God into your children? We've got to change our mindset that this has to be a culture. This is something that we've got to do at the home. This is not something we just do uh, at, at, at school. This is something that has to be daily intake of the Word of God and something that we live out among our peers, our children, our co-workers, something that we live. It's not something that's just we say, but it's something that we live out. It's something that we live out. What, what's the problem? George Barnes said, number one, the issue that he believes is that we have, the blame must be laid upon individuals because America is simply not reading the Bible. America is not reading the Bible. And he further says the church is not reading the Bible. 80% of Christians who attend church say this. 82%, get this. 80% of Christians say that the Bible is too confusing and too hard. While 64% of Christians say that they do not read the Bible because they are too busy. 
I'll, I know you all quiet out there, but I'm, I'm going to say it again. 64, George Barnard said, a Christian statistician who's given his life to this, he said 64, he surveyed, there's over 300,000 churches in the U.S. He didn't survey all of them. He surveyed a percentage of them and found that 64% of Christians do not read the Bible because they are too busy. And 80% say that the Bible is too confusing and they do not understand it. What's happening? There is a great tragedy happening in our churches. That is why I feel compelled to preach solid biblical preaching on Sunday morning. I want you to be Pentecostal in your faith and practice. I want you to flow in the gifts of the Spirit. I want you to believe in miracles. I want you to, I want you to believe in speaking in tongues. I want you to receive the Spirit. But at the same time, Christ's point has to be a beacon to Galena and Joplin and the four-state region that we need a strong biblical church who preaches the Word of the living God. Do you hear me? So there is a problem. 64% Christians say they're too busy, don't read it. 80% say they're too busy or they're, they're, it's too hard. And number two, he said this. Number two, the problem of why there is no spiritual growth happening, he said, number two, not only do people don't read it, but number two, there is a lack of strong biblical teaching in the local church, which I just alluded to. There is a lack of strong biblical teaching in the local church. He says, most churches overemphasize personal experience rather than biblical education classes. There's an unbalance in churches. We exalt personal experience while we have a low view of Scripture. Ladies and gentlemen, if we're going to have a strong biblical church, the view of Scripture has to be stronger than our own experience. Your, the Bible cannot bow its knee to your dreams and visions. I'm about to preach here. Did you hear me? The Bible cannot bow there its knee to dreams and visions and miracles. No, 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 ma'am. No, sir. The Bible is before miracles. The Bible is before experience. The Bible is the standard. The Bible is the practice. And if the experience don't line up with the Bible, then Paul said, let it be accursed. I don't care if the Virgin Mary came to you and 6,000 angels around your bedside and lifted you off of the bed and you levitated and you saw thousands of angels and it told you to do something that it's against the Bible, that is a demonic spirit. Come on, somebody. Because anything, anything that is of God, there is a counterfeit. Can the devil work miracles? Oh, yes, he can. Can the devil raise the dead? Yes, he can. Can the devil bring sight to the blind? Yes, he can. The devil is not null of power. Read the book of Revelation. We're in the end times. The Antichrist will perform miracles, and because of the miracles, they'll believe the Antichrist. So the enemy is not ball of miracles. What I'm saying, do we believe in miracles? Yes. Do we believe in the power of God? Yes. Do we believe in visions and dreams? Yes. Do we believe that God can work in your life and through your life? Yes. Do we believe you can have experience with God that can change your life? Yes. But all of those experiences must, 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 be, in, must be in line with the Word of God. Because if it's not in line with the Word of God, then we cannot trust it. 
Can I hear an amen this morning? So what is our problem? Number one, people are not reading the Bible. And I would encourage you, if you don't like to read, there, you can get the Bible on iTunes. Can't you? Is, can you? You can listen to the Bible, isn't it? I mean, you can listen to it. You can, you can get it on CD. I mean, you can do it. Nowadays, technology is so wonderful, you don't, you don't need to actually open it up. You can listen to it. And I would encourage you to listen to it as you read it which brings more power. Get on a Bible daily reading plan. Do you know that John Wesley, who is one of the greatest revivalists of, uh, uh, of, in recent history, he was called the man of one book. The man of one book. And do you know what he said in his journal when he was writing about the Methodist church? He said this, and I quote, he said, he said the Methodist church, he said, the Methodist church will be known as people who preach plain old Bible Christianity. Hallelujah. I like that. That's what we need to get back to. We need to get back to plain old Bible Christianity. We need to get back to the Bible, the Word of God. We need to get back to where we believe the virgin birth and the resurrection. We need to get back where we still believe in the blood of the Lamb and you must repent of your sin and believe upon the Lord for your salvation. We must get back to plain old Bible Christianity. Is there anybody that still believes in the Bible this morning? Woo! We got to get back to the Bible. We got to get back to the Bible. He says there is a lack of strong Bible teaching in our churches. Why are not people growing? Why aren't it? Well, some people think that spiritual growth is just a matter of learning correct knowledge. Learning correct knowledge is important and you need it. Because the Bible says in 1 Peter 2, 2, like newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the Word of God so that you may grow by it. So you need to know the Word. You need to grow by the Word. As newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the Word of God that you may grow. So you need to know the Word. But knowing the Word is not all there is to spiritual growth. That's a component of it. You see? You can... Get a cookbook out, and you can get a cookbook, and you can read recipes from your great-grandmother and your mother and your aunt so-and-so, and, and you can even tell your children that, man, I got a great recipe. I, I got a great cookbook. This cookbook is so awesome. And that cookbook may be awesome, but you know what is better than knowing the recipes in the cookbook is knowing who wrote the recipes. That not only can you read the cookbook and know the recipes, but you also know who wrote the recipes that put it in the cookbook. Not only can you tell your children, listen, this is your grandma's homemade biscuits. This is how she made it. And you could tell your children, that's how grandma made it, but I know grandma. I had a relationship with Grandma. You're not called just to know about the book. You're called to know the author of the book. So if all you're doing is memorizing information, you're not, just, you're not growing. You have to know the author of the book. You've got to let him become a part of your life. Other people think spiritual growth is a result of following a well-defined process. In other words, 10 steps to growth. Do this, do that. And we, you know, there's all kinds of books out there. Books will tell you, you know, 10 steps to growing. And some of those principles are good 
and some of those principles are great, and that could be a part of your growth, but that's not all there is to growing. Spiritual growth is not just about learning knowledge. It's about knowing the author of the knowledge. It's just not about following steps, and there are steps in growing, but there's more than that. Spiritual growth is not achieved by what you avoid. Some people think, boy, I'm growing because I haven't ate sweets in seven days. I'm fasting to the Lord. So, and let me tell you something, that, that would be a sacrifice for me and every day of my life. I pray my rosary beads and fight against the forces of darkness who would plague my soul with cakes and cookies and ice cream. But I'm going to let y'all know that I'm coming out in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. Amen. So, and... Carrie, Carrie, stand up. Carrie, how much weight have you lost? 70 pounds. Stand up, Carrie. 70 pounds. I just want to, 70 pounds. And Carrie, would you, would you agree with the preacher that there are steps? Yes, there's steps to grow. There's steps to anything you want to accomplish. Steps. But that's not all there is. Because first, it's in the mind. It's not about just following steps. It's getting a hold of the mind. There's many different things to spiritual growth than just following steps. Some people think it's what you avoid. And listen, this was an ancient practice of the early church. No, excuse me, that's incorrect. This was an ancient practice of the medieval church. In the 15th, 14th, 15th, 16th century, guess what the medieval church did? The Roman church taught that you would grow spiritually if you would avoid things. So their pastors avoid sex. So they had celibacy of the priesthood. So they told all of their priests, you can't have sex in marriage. So they remained single. Number two, they would put black on. So priests, nuns, and monks put black on because black symbolizes death. Number three, the medieval church would take whips and they would whip themselves in their backs because they thought that if they, would brought, if they brought pain to the body, that the body would not want to have sex and eat and do the sinful things they wanted to do. But that didn't work because you can put a monk and a priest in a monastery and they can still sin. Spiritual growth is not about you excluding yourself from the world and, and avoiding certain things and hurting your body because your Adamic nature wants to sin. And they thought that crucifying the flesh was that you actually hurt the body. But you see, crucifying the flesh has to do with the mind. It starts in the mind, and that's what the medieval church didn't understand. That they could put you in a monastery and put you in a room all by yourself, but you can still sin because the battle is in the mind. Can I hear an amen? So, throughout the centuries, people have thought, how do you really grow in God? What does it really mean to grow in God? And that's what Martin Luther did. Martin Luther, who was the great reformer, in 1517, which is almost 500 years, on October 31st, he broke away from the Catholic Church. And Martin Luther was plagued by his own sin. History tells us that Martin Luther was staying in a confessional booth for eight hours a day confessing his sin because he thought if he didn't confess his sin, he would be damned to hell. Martin Luther had a great revelation when he opened up the Bible and read the book of Romans. And guess what scripture he read? The just shall live by faith. Hallelujah. Martin Luther understood that the Roman church 
was teaching me that I had to do all these things to grow, that I had to do all these things to avoid, that he could never find peace in his soul. But the moment he picked up the Bible and began to read the Bible, the Holy Spirit illuminated that verse that the just shall live by faith. What are you saying, preacher? This walk that you are on is a faith walk. Can I hear an amen? You've got to learn to walk by faith. You've got to learn to walk in trust. You don't understand everything. You're not going to understand everything. You're going to be hurt by the church. You're going to be hurt by leaders. You're going to be hurt by people you work with. You're going to be hurt by people who say they love you. And you've got to understand that a process of your growth is to grow through those things and not stay in those things. You've got to grow through things. So what about it, my friend? Are you growing in the Lord? What is spiritual growth? Spiritual growth is more of Christ's likeness expressed through me, through less of me. And I would even further say this, that spiritual growth is communion with Christ because when there is communion with Christ, the byproduct is Christ's likeness and it is expressed through less of you. Now in closing, I want you to see something in Hebrews. Is this all right? Can I hear an Amen. I'm going to close with this, and tonight I'm going to finish. I, I, I need, I got so much information, I'm swimming up here in it. So tonight, just make sure you come back. Hebrews, Hebrews. And once you read this, I want, I want you to see something that the Lord wants you to see this morning in the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews chapter number 5 and verse number 10. Look at it. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse number 10. I'm going to close with this verse. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse number 10. Called by God as a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you become dull of hearing. Somebody say dull of hearing. For by this time you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, by reason, who use their senses, exercise to discern good and evil. So number one, this is what he's saying about spiritual growth, all right? He is saying that these people who are Christians are not hearing Right, because look at verse number 10. He said, or verse 11, excuse me, he, Hebrews 5, 11, of whom we have much to say, but you have become dull of hearing. The reason that people don't grow spiritually is because sometimes they are dull of hearing. There is an unresponsiveness in their hearing. They're not hearing right. The reason why spiritual growth is not happening on a regular basis in somebody's life is it has to do with hearing. Because the Apostle Paul, whom we think, we think wrote this scripture, said that I have lots to say to you, but I can't say it because you are dull of hearing. And look at the word, look at that scripture there, the word dull. You see the word dull there? It is actually the Greek word which means uh, sluggish. So in other words, he's saying this, I have lots to say to you, I want to explain, but you have become sluggish in your hearing. Now what happens when somebody is sluggish? 
They're slow. They're not too excited about it. They, you know, it, it doesn't excite them any longer. It, it doesn't really affect them. They're really just doing it just to do it. And doesn't that describe the American church? We have people who come to church, and, and I'm not, I'm not uh, uh, saying you in particular. I'm, I'm using a general blanket. It appears that people, when they come, it, it's, it's almost as if they're sluggish in their hearing. It, it doesn't affect them any longer. It doesn't bring change in their life. They're slow about it. They're just, they just sit there. It doesn't affect them. They're sluggish about hearing the Word of God. You know what another Greek word it is? It's the word numb. So it's the word sluggish and numb. When people hear the Word, they become numb. In other words, the preacher is preaching. The preacher is excited. But those that's hearing it, they're sluggish and they're numb. It doesn't affect them. They heard it before. It doesn't work for them. That's why people are not growing, because there's not an anticipation to hear the Word of God. There's not an excitement to know that the Word of God can change their life forever. And so therefore they remain as immature believers the rest of their life because they become sluggish and numb to the hearing of the Word of God. The Bible says in verse number 12, in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12, he goes on to tell these Christians, for though by this time you ought to be teachers... But you need somebody to teach you, again, the first principles of the oracles of God. So get this. He says, you've got a problem with hearing. You're numb and you're sluggish. You're dull of hearing. But number two, you have an unwillingness to speak. He said, you should be teachers by now. So number one, there was an unresponsiveness in their hearing. And number two, there was an unwillingness to speak. They should be mature enough to be speaking. They, be, they should be mature enough to declare the Word of God. In other words, when you grow in the Lord, you should have the ability to speak the Word of God. I'm not saying that you should be a man of the cloth or you should have reverend in front of your name, but what I am saying is that when you grow in the Lord, you should have the ability to speak the Word of God to somebody in your life. You shouldn't be shy. You shouldn't be timid. You should be a teacher. You should be able to teach the Word of God. You say, well, preacher, I don't know about that. Oh, the Bible says to the older women, he, he, Paul said to the older women, you older women should take the younger women and teach them to love their husbands. Boy, did you hear that? He told the older women to take these younger women and teach them how to love their husbands. In other words, every person who is growing in the Lord should have the ability to speak up. I'm not saying behind a pulpit. I'm just saying speak up the word. Their immaturity was evidenced by their unwillingness to speak. In other words, you should be a walking message system declaring the word of God. So what was their problem? Their problem was an unresponsiveness in their hearing. Their unwillingness to speak in number three, their unskillfulness in eating. Because go on, the, go on in the scripture. It says verse number... Um, Verse number 13, Hebrews 5, 13, For everyone who partakes of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full age. That is, those by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern good and evil. Now, I want you to stop here. He says, the reason that some people are not growing is because they're eating, they're still drinking when they should be eating. Babies drink milk 
but those who are growing in the Lord should drink or should eat meat. Now, I've heard people, I've heard people butcher this. I mean, they just said, well, what is the meat of the word? The meat of the word is any time the word is preached. It's not if somebody uses Greek and Hebrew, that's the meat of the word. It's all the meat of the word. It's really spiritual growth is about how you receive what is being said. So, but this is the comparison I want you to see. When, when you drink milk, get this, somebody feeds it to you. But when you eat meat, you have to work at it. So what is spiritual growth? Spiritual growth is an acknowledgement that you've got to work at some things in your life. Can I, can I say that again? Did you, if you got it, just raise your hand and say, I got that. Milk is when somebody feeds you, but meat is when you do it and it's work. A part of spiritual growth is when you decide that you got to work some things out and you can't rely upon everybody to do it for you, but you got to do it. I can't rely on the preacher to feed me all the time. I got to work at it and I got to feed myself. I can't rely upon somebody telling me I got to tithe all the time. I got to work out my own budget and make sure it's in the budget. Come on, somebody. I got to work out these issues. I can't rely upon everybody calling me and texting me, running after me. I got to put some work in my own spiritual life because I am investing in my life because it is a priority that I grow in my life. So spiritual growth is when there is work involved. When you've got to chew the meat. Chewing involves work. How long has it been since you have picked up the Bible and submitted yourself to someone and you've decided that you're going to work some things out in your life? You're tired of shallow, superficial Christianity. You're tired of not being held accountable for your actions. Do you have somebody in your life that can speak correction into your life? Do you have somebody that can come alongside of you and say, listen, you can't see all the blind spots in your life. Because in Scripture, there was a Paul and a Timothy. There's always two. He sent them out two by two. Because the God of spiritual growth is the God of community. Are you submitting yourself to someone who can speak into your life and say, listen, there are some things you don't see. But the Lord wants to fix this in your life. Is there a Bible reading plan? Is there a plan to strengthen your marriage? Is there a plan to strengthen your finances? Is there a plan to improve relationships? Maybe you haven't spoke to people before. Maybe you're hurt. Have you prayed about it? Have you dealt with the issues of your life? Maybe you've got that secret sin in your life that nobody knows. And it's a secret sin that you deal with week after week, and you're constantly repenting of it. What are you doing about it? Have you confessed it to someone? Are you getting help for it? People struggle with sin, but there's help. You see, spiritual growth desires work. Spiritual growth requires you 
to acknowledge some things. You see, spiritual growth, people who are growing in the Lord are more interested in being holy than they are being happy. People who are growing in the Lord care more about giving than they do getting. People who are growing in the Lord care more about serving than being served. People who are growing in the Lord care more about discipline than they do about acceptance. You see, it requires a heart who says, God, I want to grow to a deeper level with you. I want to go deeper. I want to grow deeper than I have ever been with the Lord.